Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll tell the story of how I did my very first canter pirouette in a western saddle while chasing a wild-eyed colt. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. I wanted to use today's episode to talk about a special experience I had a couple of years ago at a clinic. I was uh, riding with a clinician named Peter Campbell. He used to come once or twice a year to Giddings, Texas, to a really terrific arena there. And it was a really nice group of people that put the clinic on every year, and I enjoyed riding in it. And in this particular clinic, I had come off a year where I had had some, some riding challenges for a variety of reasons. And I came into the clinic with the idea that for, for my class, I was in the horsemanship class, that I was going to really slow down and pay attention to some of the issues maybe that me and my horse had had together that I had always sort of accidentally ignored or let certain things build up. So I, I, what I'm trying to say is I came into the clinic that year in a very quiet frame of mind, maybe where I wanted to observe more than actually be riding around a lot or doing something wild and crazy. But as these things turn out, I kind of had the opposite experience. So in this clinic, I was riding my favorite horse, Santo. Santo is a quarter horse ex-race horse. Uh, he's about, I think, about 14 or 15 at the time. And very tall horse, very sweet, but has some issues with anxiety. We like to say that Santo has lots of feelings and he wants to share them with everybody right away all the time. He's a weaver. And what that means, if you're not familiar with that, is when Santo is in a confined area, like a stall in the barn, he will weave back and forth, rock back and forth, pace frantically, uh, put his head up in the air, and uh, kind of like a, a frustrated zoo animal. Only in Santo's case, he can do it to the point of colic. So it's very important that he not be confined in a stall. So at the clinics, we would usually put him in some form of a, of a paddock or a larger space. So Santo and I were riding together, and uh, one of the patterns that I had finally noticed after years of riding Santo was that often by accident, I would allow Santo to move around outside of the parameters of the rectangle I was establishing, or in my case, I was absolutely not establishing. So for those of you not familiar with what I mean by rectangle, essentially when you're riding a horse, that horse should stay within your legs and your hands, meaning that the horse shouldn't, shouldn't pull on the reins or sort of swing his hindquarters one way or the other or move several steps out of the course that you've sort of set for the horse. And uh, if you have a horse that's a young horse or a green horse, inexperienced horse, your rectangle might be super big. In the case of a horse that's more experienced, you would want it to be fairly small. Eventually, it's basically ultimately just sort of the parameter of the horse's body and your legs and hands. So in Santo's case, because he, I think partially because he's a weaver, he was in the habit of always putting feet in certain directions, rocking back and forth, taking a step forward, moving his head from side to side. And I had let that build up a lot. I just hadn't realized that that was important. But coming into this clinic, I did. I finally understood that that was one of the reasons why Santo would become anxious was because I would allow that to happen. And then by the time I finally noticed it, he was now several steps way off course. And then I would 
kind of overcorrect. I'd be like, hey, knock that off. But it was really my responsibility. I let him drift and drift and drift until he was so far sort of off course that I had to do something larger and maybe a little bit more intense that I than I would have needed to do if I was paying attention earlier. So this is just to give you the context of the situation. Santo, as I said, was an ex-race horse, a quarter horse ex-race horse, which means he's part thoroughbred and part quarter horse. And uh, he had a dismal racing career. I think he raced maybe once. And uh, and then he, he went to a, a barn where he learned a little bit of dressage. And I eventually acquired him after he had an injury that they weren't sure would rehab. Um, so I acquired him when I think he was about nine years old. So this is a lot of background on Santo. I hope you guys don't mind that, but he's a pretty cool horse. He's very personable, very sweet. Like I said, just can be very emotional. So typically in this particular clinic, I would ride Santo in an English saddle, but I decided to ride Western in a Wade tree saddle. And I had a, you know, nice set of reins, a Mercate reins. And really wanted to focus more on the fundamentals, the foundation work. And I felt that that would be better tack to do that in. Because the dressage gear maybe put Santo in the frame of mind that he should be doing certain movements a certain way. Whereas the other kind of saddle and bridle gave me a little more flexibility to give him cues. Uh, the Mercate reins have, uh, they have a slobber straps on, on the end of the bit that the reins connect to. It just gives you a little more what they would say feel on the reins and in their mouth in a, in a way that's subtle and not harsh. So there we were, Santo and I, we were riding in the horsemanship class, working really hard on my part to concentrate and pay attention to his movements and kind of help set him up for success. And he was doing pretty well. And we were we were kind of making decent progress together. I was pleased with uh, that I was noticing things finally at the right time. And Santo was much calmer than he would have been maybe in other clinics. But on, I think it was the last day, maybe the next to the last day, there was a young horse in the class that had been just started under saddle at the clinic in, in the Colt starting class. But he had done so well that he was going to ride, that the young man who was, who had started him was riding him in the horsemanship class for the afternoon. And uh, the, the person who was riding him worked for the clinician. The clinician was Peter Campbell. And so they, they seemed to be doing well. So we're all kind of riding in the horsemanship class. I believe there was about maybe 12, 15 of us. And then all of a sudden, this colt started to really have some problems or Probably it wasn't all of a sudden that he started to have the problems, but I've noticed it all of a sudden. I think all of us in the class noticed it at the same moment. And uh, what happened was he started to to buck and buck quite high. He he went up in the air probably as high as I've ever seen a horse buck. It was pretty impressive. And the the young man who was riding him did a great job of just riding that out. And then when the colt kind of hit the ground, he was pretty troubled. He was wanting to go someplace in a hurry, not necessarily a place that uh, the rider wanted to go. And so he started really careening around the arena. And Peter instructed some of the riders to get off their horses and others, he said, I want all of you, this is really important for safety. I want you to follow that colt. You guys line up and you follow him. Don't let him get behind you. And we were all like, whoa, you we were kind of all a little excited by this. And the Colts energy level was quite high. I mean, it was, it was fairly intense. 
And Santo was like, oh, my God, what's happening? Like, he's like, what's all this energy? And why are you directing me so clearly, so firmly? Like, what's going on? And I'm saying to him, just listen to me. We have no time to discuss things. You need to go here. Now you need to go to the right. Now you need to stop. Now we need to turn to the left. We have to stay behind this colt. And everyone was a little bit disorganized, as you can imagine. We're all trying to get our bearings and stay out of the colt's way. And everybody's just slightly hysterical, at least some of us were. And I decided to pick someone that I would ride near who I knew would do a good job staying staying behind the colt. And I picked a rider named Kathleen, a veterinarian. She's a very, a very skillful rider, very calm, very careful. She's the kind of person who will always put herself and her horse in the right place in these kinds of situations. So I immediately started looking for Kathleen and wherever she was, I tried to stay pretty close to her as well as stay behind the colt. Well, it, it got pretty, pretty, as I said, you know, energetic. We were all sort of bobbing and weaving and diving and turning stop on a dime and no, now let's back up. But now the colt's darting to the right. We better go to the right. And as it progressed, Santo got, he didn't necessarily get calmer, but he got a lot more responsive and my aids were super clear. I was like, there's no time for me to wonder hey, should I say this a little more politely or did I do that aid just right? It was more like, hey, now, now we have to go. Now we have to go here. Now we have to stop. And as we continued to follow the colt, two things happened. One thing is that the colt started to calm down, which is pretty interesting. You would think that a colt with uh, a bunch of uh, horses chasing him would get more excited, but he started to calm down. Part of it was that the rhythm in the arena started to change instead of it being chaotic, horses all around him, there are lots of horses now behind him moving in the same pattern he was, which I think must have felt a little reassuring. And of course, the rider, again, was very skillful, very confident and calm and was handling the situation very well from the horse's back. The other thing that started to happen was that, again, Santa started to get smoother and more even underneath me. And Suddenly, instead of having to really say, hey, right now, I would say it's time and I would maybe barely lift my rein and he would move in the direction that my hand barely lifted. And it was very, it was, it was very, very light is the word that comes to mind. He was very light beneath me and, and it did feel like he was truly between my hands and my legs and my feet. And it was as if, uh, we flowed as a unit rather than I was riding him and directing him exactly where to go, you know, stop, start. It was more like this flow. It felt like I was surfing Santo as if Santo was a giant chestnut wave, which he kind of, it's not a bad description for Santo. So I was really impressed. We were kind of going along. Things are getting calmer and calmer. And then I noticed, uh, the, the, the rider of the colt, I think his name was Jay. Jay now was directing the colt to do more elaborate serpentines and movements. And I was like, hey, he's now sort of putting some of us horsemanship riders through a pattern. He's not now just trying to help the colt calm down and, and mitigate the situation. He's sort of acting like the Pied Piper. I could just feel the change in, in how he was riding the horse. And after a while, it got down to, I think, just me and maybe a couple other riders who were still following the colt. The others had kind of pulled over to the side, the other end of the arena. And uh, we were very close, the colt and I, and it seemed like at this point, the colt was really ready to slow down and stop. And Peter was right there. And my horse had just finished kind of doing 
a pretty light turn. By light, I mean very kind of weightless and effortless. And I heard him say to Jay, Jay, accelerate and go this way. And, it, and that's what Jay did. He accelerated and turned kind of sharply to the left. And my horse was already, well, you would again kind of say elevated, kind of light on his feet. He'd just done kind of a big trot step. And Peter had this mischievous look on his face. And he told Jay to do that. And I immediately just went to follow Jay. And my horse flowed into a beautiful canter pirouette. And I had never experienced anything like that before. It was just perfectly set up. And as it happened, I kind of smiled and I looked over at Peter and he was just grinning ear to ear. And I don't know if he knew that I realized it was a canter pirouette because I'm not an, an advanced dressage rider, but I did know. And I was like, wow, that's an amazing feeling. And we never really had a chance to talk about it because then the class sort of ended and, you know, Peter went on to the next class after that. And, uh, but I never forgot that. He set that up for me because the, the issue with the cult was long resolved. We were now just doing, again, sort of a dance with the cult. The cult was calm. But Peter set that up on purpose. He knew there was this opportunity for my horse was in just the right position if the colt were to turn a certain way, since we were essentially hooked onto the colt, that he would flow into a can of pirouette. And Peter did that for me. And I never forgot it. And uh, Peter passed away a couple weeks after that. And so it was about this time of year. So it was about almost exactly two years ago. And every time I get on Santo and we have a moment where we're flowing together, or we think about maybe maybe one day we'll do that can of pirouette again, I thank Peter for it. It was a, a really unique, a really unique gift that he gave me. So I hope you've enjoyed this story about Santo and the wild colt and how it became a canter pirouette. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>